Today, let's take a look at the nonsense and the shenanigans that happens on centralized cryptocurrency exchanges, such as fake volume, wash trading, ticker stuffing, and how you, the trader, how you, the retail investor, can actually protect yourself and make sure that you don't get damaged by a lot of the nonsense that happens in the cryptocurrency world. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Crypto Bobby. I hope you are having a great day, great night, wherever you are watching or listening in from. And yes, today we are diving into the seedy underbelly of cryptocurrency exchanges. And this is a conversation with my friend, Clay Collins, who is the CEO of Nomics. They are a clean data provider and API company for the cryptocurrency space. They have their own free website and they sell an API that actually has verified data essentially to professional, institutional, sophisticated traders and such. These are really good perspective on a lot of the negative things that are happening on some of these centralized cryptocurrency exchanges, as well as the positive things that are going on in the space as well. I think you're really going to enjoy this discussion. Before we hop into that conversation with Clay Collins, if you guys haven't heard about Roan, you are absolutely missing out. Roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand that is engineered for quality and comfort, two things that don't typically go together. And whether you are hopping on an international flight or heading to the gym, it is my new go-to men's clothing brand. My favorite right now, I got their workout shorts and shirts. So if you saw me tweeting about uh, guys in the gym talking about buying the top of Bitcoin and me joking a little bit around about that, I was listening in my pair of Roan shorts and shirt. What do I like about it? They are extremely comfortable. You can tell it's high quality. And not only do they have workout clothing as well, but they also have a new commuter collection, which is a performance alternative to the everyday workwear, whether it's pants, polos, shorts, shirts. Uh, they're all lightweight, comfortable, wrinkle-free, and you can wear them on the go weekday, weekend. If you are interested, head over to roan.com slash bobby today. That's R-H-O-N-E.com slash bobby. And use promo code bobby to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's R H O N E dot com slash bobby and the promo code is bobby for 20 percent off again roan.com slash bobby promo code bobby let's hop into that interview one of the things that that we've been talking about a lot lately and is has been brought to light at least like from an industry perspective i think a lot of people behind the scenes knew was happening but one of the big things that that really pushed this topic of conversation forward was the bitwise report that came out that really kind of unveiled the curtains a little bit on what was happening on some of these cryptocurrency exchanges and, and got the industry talking. Would love to, to have your take at, at a high level about kind of what that Bitwise report was about and uh, just your, your general thoughts on it. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, I think this report did so much for the industry and uh, really kind of kicked everyone's ass. Um, you know, our, ours included. Um, so it, it's a, a really positive thing. So they said a couple of things that were really interesting. Uh, the first thing is that they said, which was kind of shocking, is that there were only 10 exchanges that had actual volume. Um, that, you know, that needs to be qualified a lot. So first off, they don't actually define what actual volume is. But, you know, the implication is that there's only 10 exchanges that don't have a preponderance of fake volume. So so what did they look at in this Bitwise report? Um, so they looked at exchanges that had Bitcoin volume. So it, as far as we know, they were only looking at uh, exchanges with order books. So like local Bitcoins wouldn't count and, uh, you know, 
like shapeshift wouldn't account wouldn't wouldn't count because they don't have they don't have centralized order books so um so exchanges with order books and exchanges uh and and on those exchanges um they looked at um exchanges with btc to tether or btc to usd pairs so they weren't looking at the entire universe they weren't looking at decentralized exchanges because most of those are just you know they they just have uh, erc20 and ethereum trading so they just look at these at these specific bitcoin markets on centralized exchanges and they started with um and, and they only looked at the top like 81 exchanges on coin market cap so there's a there's a lot of sort of filters on on what they looked at but still the overwhelming evidence here was is that uh, wash trading is rampant um you know volume as a service is rampant uh, a lot of these services being provided by you know like liquidity providers or market makers a, a lot of this is um you know there, there's definitely a cedar cd underbelly right it to not only what's happening on these exchanges, but uh, the 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 world of spam. So the first finding was only you know ten out of eighty one exchanges had had real volume. I question a little bit that there's just ten. It, there appears to be a little bit of uh, like base ten bias. Like why not nine or eleven? Ten seems kind of convenient. <laughs> um, and uh, they they reported that ninety five percent of of volume on the BTC to Tether and BTC to USD pairs, ninety five percent of volume. Uh, was fake, and um, it's it's interesting. It was it's a cool it's a cool report. There's a lot you can learn uh, from the report about how fake volume works, but this this rabbit hole goes so much deeper. Yeah, so let, let's get a little bit deeper on that. I think, and this is going to be the name of the video and podcast is the CD. <laughs> you you threw that out there. Now it's a name, but the CD underbelly of cryptocurrency exchanges. So we'll we'll, we'll roll with that. But taking back the covers on that kind of. Uh, just main base layer that, okay, there are maybe only a handful of these 90 exchanges that were looked at that are actually really trading crypto and or, or Bitcoin specifically. Uh, but then yep. I'm sure a lot of that also applies to a vast number of altcoins, maybe even more so than of the altcoins too. When you look at it, how how is this like taking place what what is going on that is that is driving this fake volume i know one thing you mentioned was this like liquidity as a service these market makers like what what is happening on these exchanges that just produces all this fake volume yeah so great great question i think the first thing that we need to do when sort of considering what's happening here is to start using the name spam um, people are referring to wash trading or toxic activity and all kinds of maybe sublimated terms, but this is this is at the end of the day this is spam, and uh, a lot of what's happening here is people gaming the system so they can get to the top of the coin market cap rankings. So uh, a couple days ago, I was at Coin Market Cap. I was looking at the list of top exchanges, and everyone says, you know. It's like uh, Binance is the top exchange, and I, I couldn't see Binance in, in the, the top 10. Now, I, it looks like they've done some things to, to improve it there, but most of the exchanges that, that I saw in, on the exchange rankings were uh, exchanges that like, I've never heard of, or like I could call everyone I know, and they could call everyone they knew, and like nobody has ever placed trades on, on these exchanges. Um, so, 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 so why is this spamming happening? Um, there's there's a lot of reasons. Um, when an exchange is at the top of the list, first and foremost, they get traffic. So 
uh, a lot of these aggregators link directly to the markets pages for these, you know, for, for trading pairs. So it, it generates traffic for them. And, and in some cases, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You spam your way to the top of the list, you get more traffic, there's more liquidity, and you start getting maybe more organic trading happening on your platform. Uh, another reason is, you know, when they're at the top of the, these lists, they can charge huge listing fees to um, ICOs. They can run uh, IEOs for for coins, and uh, you know, this is something we're seeing a, a lot more recently, where exchanges like Binance will take a cryptocurrency project, like not public, but they'll 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 handle the the public offering and charge a cut and often they're making seven figures plus you know for for these types of deals um so uh you know there's 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 a lot that they get out of this um when exchanges rank higher on on you know let's say coin market cap now they're on the first page of the exchange uh, index which means that they're more likely you know that the link that they get from coin market cap is more valuable from an seo perspective there's there's so many so many reasons why why they might do this you know free advertising there's 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 a lot a lot going on here so i was i was thinking about like what what this is you know at the end of the day what what should this be called and yeah and i was like i don't i don't want to call this wash trading or toxic activity i was like this is exchange spamming and there's a subset of exchange spamming called volume spamming and there's a subset of volume spamming that i'm calling ticker stuffing and uh, for, for those of, of you who don't know what a ticker is, a ticker is just kind of like a shitty candle. So, uh, you know, most what we know as candles typically have these defined boundaries. But what CoinMarketCap and other aggregators generally ingest for the most part are uh, ticker feeds. And tickers are like a 24-hour candle that ends whenever the exchange decides it should end so it doesn't end at like the end of the day or you know on minute boundaries it just ends whenever it's computed um and it, so it's it's timestamp uh of computation open close high low and volume and you can literally if you get good at this you can literally just go in and take that volume numbers you've got open close high low volume and you can just change it you can just like add you know you can say like hey whatever the figure is like add a billion dollars <laughs> And send that right over to uh, to Coin Market Cap or whoever, and just just pump up your volume. So the easiest way to do this is is ticker stuffing, and you're just shoving volume in that candle. Um, but there's there's a lot of other ways that it's it's done as well. But ticker stuffing is is probably the most um, sort of frequent thing that we see. Is this something like when I look at this, I part of me thinks like this is. It's a problem for the industry because a lot of people pull data from coin market cap. So they'll 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 go and they'll point to, oh wow, the you know volume for Bitcoin today was was thirty billion dollars. Volume for whatever was was X billion dollars or million dollars, and maybe they'll make some type of decision off of that. But then part of me thinks like, are, are people really, and and maybe it is, but I like I'm trying to in some ways like think in my head are retail traders or even institutions as well, or, or maybe just quote unquote, more sophisticated traders. Are they taking this data from coin market cap and, and really falling for a lot of this stuff to do like, that's something you said where it's maybe it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy where you have F coin or whatever random exchange, basically transaction mining or fake voluming their way to the top. And then they actually get users or is this just something where, you know, maybe they're at the top, but 
you'd hope that people are actually looking at this and being like, well, I've never heard of this exchange once in my life. Uh, I'm not going to actually trade there. Yeah. So what we've seen from our institutional customers is they've, they've known about this happening for a long time. They, they're not believing the volumes. They're only trading on, on places that they, that they trust. Um, but I think the average consumer is, is, probably the one that's that's suffering here or or people who haven't made this mistake yet but yeah it, it could, there's a lot of ways it can hurt you so i don't think this fake volume generally for the higher market cap coins moves the price a ton it, it doesn't look like it it moves the price a ton um as you get further down this volume can especially if assets are being priced on a volume weighted basis but um you know i i think there's there are a lot of ways that uh, retail investors can get screwed. The first one is that they see all this fake volume and they assume that an exchange has liquidity, right? That they're yeah. going to be able to put for forward a, a significant buy or sell order. Maybe if it's their, if it they they're like, hey, I want to take X number of dollars from my retirement or X percent of my retirement. I want to put it in Bitcoin, and they put through uh, a trade, and those order books just aren't as as deep as they look. Um, I think the second thing is, is that, you know, when, when you see a top exchange on a place like coin market cap, you might assume that, that it's secure, right? It's a reputable exchange. It's a top exchange on, on, on this listing. I mean, people have sort of similar assumptions when they go to Google and they search for, um, loan, right? Like they just assume that Google's not going to put crap at the top of the list. Um, so I think another aspect of this is, is it, you know, when you're at the top of the listings, there's a certain amount of social proof that comes with that, right? If you're at the top of the listings day after day after day, um, you know, those rankings mean something, especially when, when a, a site is the top site in the space. Um, so I, I think that's mostly how the space is, is affected is, is, is it's affecting, uh, it's, it's affecting retail investors and, and institutions aren't fallen for this crap how how if i'm a retail trader and and i'm new to the space how do i protect myself from the issue of of fake volume what do i look out for where do i look for data that isn't plagued with all this nonsense and kind of wash trading and just fuckery yeah yeah it's a it's a good point um so I guess here's here's a part where I'm gonna uh, shill a bit um, at at nomics.com forward slash exchanges. We have a a list of exchanges with highly transparent data practices, and the impetus for this, like a lot of other aggregators um, work in this area, really comes from the the Bitwise report. So when when the Bitwise report came out, the first thing that we asked ourselves was. Um, like, what are the good exchanges? What do these 10 good exchanges have in common? And what we noticed is that, is that of, of the 10 that Bitwise explicitly like kind of blesses as being good, of course, that's stuck in time. And like the day after the report came out, one of them could have become a bad actor. Multiple ones could have become bad actors. But, um, but what, what, are these, what do these 10 exchanges have in common? And what we found was uh, eight out of the 10 exchanges that Bitwise bless provide um, full trade history. So um, not only are they providing the most granular, the highest granularity trade data available, but they're providing that data available um, back to the inception of the trading pairs on, on those exchanges. And 
uh, that's, of course, no guarantee that they're not faking that data. But, you know, we kind of think about this like an IRS audit. You know, if, if you were being audited by the IRS, you probably wouldn't want to give them every receipt. You'd want to give them kind of aggregate summary reports on your financials. And you would want to give them like the least amount of history possible. So, you know, something like summary level data for like maybe a year or two, if you start giving them receipts and you go back, you know, since the very beginning of your spending uh, on all your accounts, they're going to find stuff that you didn't even find. Like there's probably going to be things you, you, um, you did that, that you didn't report, even if it's not on purpose. So, um, so we found that like eight out of 10 of the good actors uh, are providing this super high quality data. And then when we looked at the exchanges that Bitwise called out as doing a lot of bad things, things that were obviously not good, um, we found that all of those exchanges, um, so they explicitly called out 16 as, as doing not great things, but the assumption is all the others are doing bad things too. But of the 16 that they called out, um, 14 of those 16 only provide ticker data with no history. So, you know, the worst form of data possible with no history, whereas the good actors were like the, the high granularity data with full history. So, um, so, so we created our exchange ranking uh, index where we sort first by the transparency of, uh, of these exchanges. Um, and then we, and then we sort by volume. So like Binance is usually at the, at the top of the list. Um, OKX is not at the list because they don't provide a lot of transparent. Uh, a lot of a lot of transparency in general, um, and these these exchanges are all exchanges you've heard of. Like if you go to our exchanging uh, exchange uh, rankings, you'll see, <laughs> you'll you'll see um, you'll you'll see exchanges that you've heard of um, for for the most part. Got it. And, yeah, uh, probably exchanges you've made trades on and stuff. You know, like Coinbase, Binance, Kraken, Poloniex, Gemini, etc. So looking at the looking at the ranking right now, we have on the top Binance, Bithum, Coinbase Pro, Kraken, Bitstamp, Poloniex, Ethernex, Gemini, Bitflyer, a lot of the ones people have heard of. And on the bottom we have uh Mercatox, Coinbene, <laughs> Itbit. Um it, Itbit's interesting with with the D. Uh maybe you could speak yep. a little bit of that. Because I think Itbit is is Paxos and, and maybe Itbit was actually if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, Ipit was actually listed in the in the Bitwise report as one of the as one of the ten trust you know trusted exchanges. Is it is it more of a data uh, kind of issue there with them? Yeah, no. So that's that's I think that's important to note here. You know, um, when, when we put out these rankings, a lot of people came to us and and they told us about you know maybe exchanges that we labeled as a D in terms of transparency, but maybe they thought we're good actors. And then there are other exchanges that have done, uh, you know, things, maybe they had bad customer service or someone had a bad experience that we labeled uh, an A. And so, you know, we've been very clear that this is a, an exchange transparency ranking. This isn't a overall, you know, all your business are great. So if it is, is we've, we're actually in conversations with them about, their data transparency practices and and we expect that within a few months here um, we'll be able to get much much better data from them so we think they're gonna uh, bump up uh, the rankings but yeah it bit right now um, only provides 
um, ticker data, and they don't they don't provide really any history at all. So that's that's why they're there. Um, and then there's some you know we have some obscure exchanges that that have an A rating, but they've got really fantastic data practices. So that's why that's why they're there. Whereas you know if you go to like Coin Market Cap right now, they've cleaned some things up a little bit, but you've got like Coinil is number four. I, I have no idea what Coinil is. I, I I really have not even um, heard of it. Not real. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think it's a real exchange. You've got uh, you know ZBG uh, in there. Um, you've got uh, Coinbinary was like the quintessential bad actor in yeah. the uh, in in the Bitwise report. Like if there was a villain in the Bitwise report, it was Coin. I, I'm pretty sometimes I, can, I call it coin coin bean. I'm like, is that coin binet or coin bean? I have no idea. I'll, but I'll try and pull it up as you're talking to to see if I can get a live look at some of the just wash trading that's happening. Um, the the charts are just the volume on a lot of these pairs is the most ridiculously funny thing on the planet. Just it's just straight up. Oh, I I don't know if you can see this, but I'm pulling up a it's an ETH pair. It's ZAT to ETH. And it is just straight green, red candles across. It's <laughs> it's my favorite thing on the planet looking at this. And then like the order book is is like empty, but there's a ton of trades happening. Like there's 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 I think ten trades on this order book. Um or actually ten orders on the on the book, but there's there's trades happening every every five seconds. It's it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't even have to be like good to to spot this stuff anymore. It's it's hilarious. So like, yeah, so so Coinbinary was like the the villain of the Bitwise report, and uh, Coin Market Cap has it as their like number nine exchange. Um, I I was on um, what, what was it? They uh, Bitwise put out a, another report, uh, a full white paper where they mentioned that Fcoin was the top exchange by volume on on Coin Market Cap in April. And, uh, and, and yesterday I was on coin market cap and they had an ad for F coin. I was like, wow. And in the ad was speaking to their trading volume. It was like, wow, we are, you know, we have X number of Bitcoin are transacted per day on our exchange, according to coin market cap. And I was like, this is a huge conflict of interest. Um, but yet, yet you don't, you don't have to be brilliant to spot this stuff. I, you know, I think it's a lot like, um, you know, like email spam back in the day. So, you know, way way back in the day you know people people would just buy these cds with email addresses and they'd spam everyone and and it would say things like you know porn or viagra or whatever they were selling and then folks like gmail came along and they said all right anything with these words with this density you know we're going to flag and put into the spam folder and then the the spammers were like okay we're just going to use an o I, i'm i'm sorry a zero instead of an o in porn and you know we're going to we're going to swap out these characters, you know, we're going to use a one instead of an L and then, you know, Gmail caught that. And then they came back again and they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to put the entire message in an image and that way we can say whatever we want. And then Google started looking at the ratio of text to images and it's just an arms race. And so folks have asked me like, you know, how are you going to fix this? And I, I don't think there's one there's there's like I don't think this is a one and done thing. I think this is going to be a, a constant process. That's why we've got a, a spam team here at Nomics. It, it's it's never going to be fixed. It's people are going to get more sophisticated uh, over time, especially when you consider how decentralized the space is. The fact that anyone can 
you know, with, with like Xurex startup and exchange, basically in a weekend, you know, we've got, we're going to have security token exchanges, non-fungible exchanges. We're going to have local exchange. I mean, there's like, this is, I think we're just going to see more exchanges and uh, this is going to be a, a harder and harder problem to spot uh, over time. But yeah, right now they're just doing just like total shenanigans, like tons of trades going through, but you know, flat order books, or sometimes we see these, you know, huge order books and, uh, and no, um, no, you know, very little trading volume. And then sometimes uh, we'll, we'll, get the trades from an exchange and we'll add up all you know when we know we have gapless data so some of these exchanges will they'll give each trade a unique identifier so each trade increments by one and so we can we actually know that we have all the trades that have happened during a day and then we'll see the candles that they'll send over and the candles will have like a you know a gajillion dollars more volume than uh you know than than the individual trades added up or um What's another thing that we see? Sometimes we'll see, you know, if there's a bid ask spread, sometimes we'll see these bids hop, like leap across, like like pole vault across the the ask, and some order will be filled like way out of market, you know, something for some ridiculous price for some shitcoin, and uh, and and that order will be placed. It's like, how does a matching engine even like? make that happen you you can't snipe off orders from the order book uh <laughs> so i mean you can on some decentralized exchanges but just just the, the it's just like amateur hour right now you, yeah. you can do anything and get away with it so so kind of going to the opposite end of of some of the i mean i think it's pretty clear at this point in time that there is a lot of a lot of shenanigans a lot of bad things happening in the crypto space from from an exchange perspective um but you've been in the industry kind of working hand in hand with these exchanges for you know, over a year now really what are some of the good exchanges doing outside of the data like how have things progressed in the past year where um you know things might actually be be looking positive outside of the bs fake volume wash trading like with some of the legit with some of the legit exchanges yeah i think the main thing that seems to be changing is that um these exchanges are starting to take their their data practices a lot more seriously. So, you know, Coin Coin Market Cap, as far as I know, was the very first aggregator, and all they required was a ticker feed because it's really easy to start ingesting data from an exchange with a, a ticker feed. It's like five six data points, and um, and so an exchange would get up and running, and the first thing they wanted to do when they were live to get distribution for their markets is it's like, hey, we got to throw up a ticker so we can get listed on coin market cap and um and 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 that's smart in a lot of ways you know in with you know with like the new york stock exchange and the nasdaq there's there's only really two big exchanges in the united states when it comes to stocks and they have a monopoly on the data so they they charge an arm and a leg for their data but if you're a crypto exchange um a, a lot of times your data is like this distribution channel it's a good way to advertise what your product is and and uh and, and if your products are these trading pairs where you make some money every time a trade goes across them it really behooves you to to share data so these exchanges at the beginning were doing the very the, the very bare minimum it's like coin market cap needs a ticker feed we'll give them a ticker feed and then they would essentially after that they would ignore their data altogether maybe at some point a market maker would come to them and say you know we'd like order book data so they'd they'd come through and they'd just provide order book data snapshots uh, or or something through a web socket, but no historical order book data. And to this day, almost nobody provides 
I, you know, I can't off the top of my head think of one exchange that provides historical order book data. Uh, I don't think anyone does that. Um, so, um, so, so what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, data practices to a, a, a much greater extent since this report and since folks like us and, and others have done things to improve the, the state or, or to add some kind of filtering is uh, exchanges are, are realizing that they need to do more than the bare minimum around data and they need to provide an audit trail and um, and, and they, they really need to step up their game if they want uh, institutional investors to take them seriously. The problem is that so many of these exchanges, I mean, so many of these exchanges have been, um, you know, fudging data. And it's kind of like this, it's like this arms race of like volume spamming, where it's like you, you have to, in order to be at all taken seriously, you have to get past everyone else who's also faking volume. So um, I don't think we'll see anytime soon um, exchanges opening up full history, but they'll probably say like, hey, we're going to start on this date and moving forward, um, that is going to be available. I was even, I was talking to one one exchange and I said, hey, like in order to add you, we need full, or to give you an A rating, we need like full, um, full, full trade history. And they said, I'll never forget this. They're like, oh yeah, no, we, we just don't keep it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like hard drive space is super cheap. He's like, yeah, it's just, it's too expensive. No, it's not. It's not too expensive. Like I could, the hard part is not uh, storing it. It's, uh, it's everything else. So I, I think they were probably just lying and we, we get lied to all the time. As, as somebody in the, in the, the crypto blockchain world who sells your API to professional, no, to professional sophisticated uh, traders, institutional investors, whoever it might be. Um, I'm curious as far as the past like year or so, how have the conversations been reflective of, of the price? Has the recent bounce back in 2019, has that, has that, do you feel like that's brought more interest back into crypto or specifically into the data surrounding crypto or have the conversations for you remained relatively stable kind of regardless of price since it is maybe a more sophisticated class of of trader that you're mostly speaking with yeah so our our website traffic has gone up with the prices but the the api business and the data business has it's it's growing in like you know it's it's not uh it, it doesn't seem to be correlated with prices like we were growing even when the market was down um, we're, we're just a lot like a utility company. It's it's boring basics kind of business, and uh, yeah, we're 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 not seeing um, we're not seeing uh, sales of the API rise and fall based on <laughs> well, the a good thing. you know market cap. Yeah, it, it's mostly correlated with like how good of a job we're doing um, marketing that that business. <laughs> yeah, totally. And when you look at just kind of like where the market is going, what type of what type of, of features or kind of functionality in the, in, the, in the trading ecosystem do you think needs to come into place maybe outside of data? Obviously, you know, yourself and, and other individuals are working to improve the, you know, the level of, of the quality and the, the transparency of, of data for trading. But what else is, is there in the industry that needs to happen for this to just kind of continue to move in a more, let's say, professional manner? Yeah, I, 
I really think that the biggest products we like, we don't need another fork of Bitcoin. We don't need another fork of Ethereum or Zcash. What we need, I think, is just is Bitcoin infrastructure. Uh, I think the Lightning Network needs to grow. I think we need uh, more and better ways to um, to earn interest and to borrow, um, preferably in, in trustless ways uh, against those assets. Um, I think that um, you know it, it's just sort of the continued integration of of really Bitcoin first and foremost into our daily financial lives and it's 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 happening i think at the very beginning it was it was about like you know it was about these tokens but uh i love what i see like you know wire doing and um folks like um you know uh nexo or other you know loan loan based uh products but uh you know or you know what casa is doing with sort of these lightning nodes in, in people's homes i think it's it's more of that that kind of thing i don't know what do you think yeah, for I think I, I would I would echo those sentiments. Like I think that the it's been interesting to watch as the quote unquote bear market happened. I think there were it was a, a good cleansing of the space from a lot of either just bad actors or a lot of people that raised money with just no intention of actually doing anything with it. Um, and then there were kind of a, a, a subset I think of of people that continued to just kind of grind through it. And whether that has been on the Bitcoin side, like you said, Casa, I have I have a node kind of sitting a few feet away from me, which I think yeah, is a, it's a it's a pretty cool product. I like it. Um, so whether it's kind of advancements with with Bitcoin and with Lightning, or there have been a lot of the the narrative around like DeFi with Ethereum is, has been pretty interesting to watch. Whether that's like the growth in MakerDAO uh, CDPs or uh, compound finance and bar lending or, or the block fives and the nexos of the world. I think there's just been a lot of kind of increased like utility of actually owning these assets and that the, the, the protocol development on the base layer of Bitcoin and the base layer of Ethereum on some of these other assets as well has been, been pretty good to watch. So, uh, I, I think every, you know, all things being considered, I think the, the industry as a whole is moving in a positive direction and it's just kind of, uh, people, people want things to happen quicker because there is usually a price associated with basically everything in the industry and it doesn't necessarily rely on any type of fundamentals at all but it's something they kind of have to either have some type of long-term conviction and be patient on or 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 get out kind of yeah yeah i can i completely agree like you know if you think about the development of the internet there was like you know tcp ip and then http and then you know html and css and and um i think a lot of people are expecting um you know full-on startups that can do things like uh uber and uh airbnb we're just not there the tech yeah. the tech stack is super 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 early um we're, we're we're still trying to get things like custody right so i think the the foundation is is uh you know, pe people's expectations is like, they've just seen like Instagram come and then blow up or yeah. we've seen all these things that have benefited from, you know, literally two decades of hardcore innovation on top of the internet. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're only one decade in right now. So we don't, we don't have our Airbnb or, uh, or, or, uh, you know, Ubers just yet, but I think it's coming. Yeah. And it's, it's like, if you had TCP IP shares that you could publicly trade on a daily basis 24 7 365 too it just makes it just adds in a whole level level of of complexity and removes 
I think a lot of, of any patience and it, it gives the nice dopamine hit when you look at the charts and things like that. But uh, it's it's very interesting in, in the short and I, and I think long term too, just kind of how you can break down the perspectives and, and look at things for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, a, a kind of something that's different during this bull market versus the last one is I think we've just got a lot more sophistication um, among institutional investors, but also among individuals. And I think, um, you know, the, the conversation that we're having about data is, is just, is part of that. So, um, you know, it's, it's my understanding that, there are way there are so many more people that understand blockchain data and how blockchains work than understand how the exchange ecosystem <laughs> works. Um, you know, we we do this uh, weekly webinar at Nomics where we go over like here's an exchange how here's how a Bitcoin exchange works here's here's a uh, market data 101 and uh, we have we have people from like large banks and analysts that are like didn't know how this stuff actually works. Um, but more and more people do understand uh, how this stuff works. When, when people come to us to buy data, the biggest problem we have is that people literally don't even know in many cases how to ask for what they want. They literally don't know how to specify what they're looking for, um, you know, because, yeah, there's a lot of similarities to, um, you know, sort of traditional exchanges, but it's sort of this mix of like traditional exchanges and Forex, minus regulation minus quality controls uh there's there's it's just it's completely different but i love seeing the infrastructure come together i love to see you know people's understanding of the space improve and uh i i think uh i think we're well on our way i i don't think we're gonna see like bitcoin at you know this is for entertainment purposes only i don't think we're gonna <laughs> see bitcoin to like four grand again i, I think those days are long gone uh, you know I, fingers I hope crossed so. i hope so but yeah, I, I do tend to agree with just the the commentary around you know infrastructure. I think that when you look back at how primitive and just general shitty a lot of the infrastructure was in 2017 that carried the entire crypto market to $800 billion. Um, and just the, the, the exchanges and the level of support and basically everything about the market in 2017 was whether it was centralized exchanges, they, they just weren't ready for it. decentralized exchanges. The biggest decentralized exchange, really the only one at the time was Ether Delta. Um, yeah. So the, there are just so many more on-ramps and just such a, a broader variety of, of products and that have had really two years at this point in time or a year and a half at least to kind of like season out and flesh out a lot of the technical issues and as well as just people issues with support and kind of building that out. Uh, that's, that's been good to watch. One, one kind of question that I'm, I'm a little bit curious on as far as working with the professional traders that you do that, you know, receive data from these exchanges that, that you provide to them. Another area that seems to be pretty hot right now is, is on-chain data as well. I know that's not something that you necessarily do with Nomics, but are, are you seeing professional traders kind of utilizing some type of combination of the nomics api with maybe something from coin metrics or from some other place where they're they're trying to utilize exchange data and on-chain metrics at the same point to just create better investments or better trading strategies yeah i i, I still think that's a pretty so the answer is yes um it's still a pretty sort of niche data need mm -hmm. um most most investors in the space don't have a highly reliable 
in 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 the sense that it like stands up to back test uh, hypothesis about what to do with on-chain data you know if if there's more addresses you know those could potentially be from the same people so that could point to um you know uh, an increasing awareness in security or how chain analysis is crawling the chain so what do more what do more addresses mean um what does transaction volume on on the bitcoin network uh, mean does it mean that more people are moving their you know their their coins to exchanges because they're going to sell or does it mean that they want to change it for you know exchange it for something else um so i i haven't i personally don't know of more than like a handful of funds of of you know funds with active strategies that have really robust um hypotheses around on-chain data that they're willing to put a lot of money behind so i think i think that space is still i think it's still somewhat new and i think the further away you get from like just really bitcoin and ethereum the less you know predictability that kind of data has you know if you if you go to like you know eos or whatever there's just the people are just making up transactions and there's plenty of transaction or you know blockchains where transactions are really really cheap and um it, it's not necessarily clear what's happening um when transactions are taking place um so yeah i i i, I we're still not getting a, a ton of requests for uh for on-chain data i'm 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 honestly not sure. I mean, like we we evaluate, you know, the the data space. I'm not sure there's a mature. In, in my opinion, there isn't right now a mature large market for on-chain data. Uh, yeah. I, I I question whether or not a startup is going to generate enough capital with on-chain data to um to to hire top talent and and continue to grow. I, I think that that space and that ecosystem is is not yet very commercially viable. I think it's something that a lot of people want to look at and um, people, it's like nobody wants less data, but in terms of people willing to pay cold, hard cash, um, you know, in, in, in large amounts that would justify, you know, top engineers and continued R and D. I don't know that, that that exists right now. Totally. And one one thing you mentioned was was chain analysis and other you know other types of those like blockchain analytics companies. How how does does that factor in at all to examining the kind of exchange data? Is that more of like an outlier, on ramp off ramp type thing? I'm just kind of curious if that has any type of play into the perceived trustworthiness or quality of of data. If any specific exchange might leverage something like a chain analysis. Yeah. So, um, so, so the, the people that come to us typically they're looking for data so that they can make more money, um, chain analysis and, and those folks or services like them, it's more around, uh, regulation, security, forensics, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, someone stole my Bitcoin, where did it go? Or, um, you know, exchanges like, uh, Coinbase have purportedly used tools like that to make sure that, you know, dirty money isn't getting into their, into their wallet. So it's, it's, I honestly have very little visibility into, um, people's forensic needs or needs for this data around regulatory purposes. It's more around, uh, uh, making, making cash <laughs> and generating returns. Awesome. Uh, so, I mean, as, as far as, as far as everything goes, I think we've, we've covered quite a bit with yeah. the general topic of 
the kind of nonsense around cryptocurrency exchanges, how somebody can, can potentially protect themselves around uh, the issues that are happening right now. Is there anything maybe we didn't cover you would like to just kind of add, uh, add on to at this point? Um, I mean, no, nothing, nothing huge stands out other than like I, uh, I saw a tweet from Circle the other day. They were talking about the state of Poloniex when they purchased it. They had something like thousands upon thousands of open tickets. Um, it was like 190-something thousand. It, it was like 190-something <laughs> thousand. And I remember there was a point in 2017 where everyone was using Poloniex. I mean, at one point, it was it was the, the top, top exchange. Yeah, it was, it was a top dog. Um, so to kind of be in a place where the top dog exchange has hundreds, you know, 100,000-plus 100, 100, open tickets to a place now where the top exchanges that people are using, like have a solid, you know, they have solid operations in place. They are answering their support tickets for the most part. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really refreshing. And uh, I think we're just in a very different place right now in, in 2017 than we were in 2019. And uh, it's, it's, it's great to see real operators um, coming in. I, I think uh, back in the day, it was like any, any project with uh, someone with a, vaguely impressive pedigree you know was getting was getting funded because vcs investors really didn't know who to back at that time so you'd see people where you know you'd look at them and it'd be like okay uh you know stanford computer science uh x uh airbnb uh x um you know x x coinbase or something and then you dig into it and you realize all right they were like an internet coinbase they dropped out <laughs> of stanford and they were uh, like a product manager true. at Airbnb for like eight months or something like that. And I'm like, how did that guy get funded? But, but Coinbase so, Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's 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 really great to see people with real experience, I think, building out companies. And and I think the the VC money is getting smarter. They're demanding uh, roles on boards, which, you know, the there's this sort of you know, hardcore bootstrapper part of me that's like, no, nah, VC shouldn't be on boards, but actually my experience with VCs on boards is there's it, it makes for good governance. So the governance on, on these, on, you know, on, on these companies is getting better. And uh, I think that the space is just up leveling over and over and over again. I think we're still going to continue to like, we're going to be embarrassed over, you know, again and again and again, just like we were embarrassed by the bitwise report. I mean, the space was, but um, it, it, it just keeps on getting better and it's, it's encouraging to see. Yeah. That's, I, I, I'm on board with a lot of the things you said. I think there's a, a lot of a lot of a lot of good to be drawn from what's happened recently and just a lot of general improvements. And I think a lot of that has just been kind of like societal pressure or like community pressure, which has been trying to cleanse out a lot of the the bad actors. And that's been that's been nice. Uh just because you, you feel a little bit better, you know, about operating in the ecosystem. There's still a lot of issues where you look at and you're like, this is a weird place to work full time, but Outside of that, it's it's I think still moving in the right direction. Hopefully, not getting not getting worse at least because for some points in times it could, it couldn't get much worse. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's 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 yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's less less of an amateur hour environment <laughs> than it used to be. Thank so, God. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone who is is just not familiar with your work or where they can find you. Uh, fill everybody in on the best place to, to, to find what you and the team are doing and, and what you're up to. Yeah, so probably the best place to go is our website, nomics.com. 
you know, we, we have our, um, our exchange index there and exchange ratings, and we're about to come out with um, transparency volume ratings for individual uh, crypto assets. So not only will you be able to see how transparent a exchange is, but you'll be able to look at uh, how much volume for a given coin is coming from reputable exchanges. So, so what's the transparency volume percentage? So we're coming out with that and I'm excited about it. Um, you can find me at Twitter at Clay Collins and uh, I have a podcast as well called Flipping, which is uh, also uh, a lot of fun. You can just search for Flipping Podcast on, on Google and, uh, and find me there. But, you know, I answer questions on Twitter. If anyone wants to chat, let me know. I'll, I'll put links to all those in the YouTube and podcast descriptions so you can find that. But really do appreciate the time, Clay. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on.